There's a children's book by Dr. Seuss about an elephant named Horton that agrees to set on a nest and keep an egg warm while the mother bird goes off somewhere. After he agrees to do this, many things start to happen to challenge his commitment to his word. And no matter what the test is, Horton has the same answer each time. Said what I meant and I meant what I said. An elephant is faithful 100%. Now I don't know if Horton, the elephant, was a disciple of Jesus or not. But Horton certainly understood the importance of integrity. Now if we look at our world, we have to be honest that integrity is a missing element. The lack of integrity is seen in a myriad of ways. Take America's view of honesty as one example. Several years ago, two men, James Patterson and Peter Kim, interviewed thousands of people and published their findings in a book called The Day America Told the Truth. Of those surveyed, 91% said they lie on a regular basis. 86% said they lie to their parents regularly. 75% say they lie to their friends. 69% say they lie to their spouses. And 50% said they regularly call in sick to work when they weren't sick at all. Lying and general dishonesty is so commonplace that we are often surprised when someone tells us the truth or they keep their word. The, last, the lack of integrity is also seen in the massive moral failings that have happened this year. I mean, how many politicians were forced to resign this year because some sort of secret moral failing would come to light? How many were forced out of Hollywood this year because some sort of secret moral failing had come to light? How many big name pastors were forced to resign this year because some sort of secret big or some sort of secret moral failing came to light? Now, again, with honesty talking about this, we know that this isn't just the stuff of Hollywood and big name and politicians and big name pastors. This isn't just the stuff of those who live in the public eye. Chances are most of us can think of regular people we know that have had the same sort of secret moral failings that came to light and cost them dearly. The only difference between those that we know and those that we read about was that it wasn't covered on the evening news. It wasn't that one was any worse or any better. It was just that the people involved weren't as socially or as culturally important, so they didn't make the news. And when you boil all of those things down, it all comes to the same thing. It is a, a basic lack of... Of integrity. The Bible tells us that there is security in integrity. Proverbs says, He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. Right? And the idea is that if we live with integrity, we're safe because we are who we say we are, and there are no secret moral failings that are that are going to come to light eventually. But if we live a double life, if we try to hide who we really are and pretend to be somebody else, eventually, eventually, it'll be found out. Now, being men and women of integrity is very important. But how do we live with integrity in a world that is so comfortable with a lack of integrity? How do we live honestly in a world that is comfortable with lying? How do we live and keep our word in a world that just expects that no one's actually ever really going to do what they say? That's what we're going to talk about today. Open your Bible to Matthew 5, verse 34 through 37. That's page 736 if you have a pew Bible. When you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand on the reading of God's word. 
Jesus says, You've heard it was said to those of old, Shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, Do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is His footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no. For whatever is, from whatever is more than these is from the evil one. The title of the message is Live a Life of Integrity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. You are great and awesome, worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. Father, we want today to live the way that Jesus would have us to live. We know that integrity is a big part of that, that we are to be who we say that we are, do what we say we're going to do. Today, as we look at what Jesus said about keeping our word and how important that is, let us take it to heart. It's really easy to let the culture shape our ideas of truth and morality and integrity. God, we know that that is not your desire. You have called us to come out and be separate. You've called us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So today, as we look at your word, send your Holy Spirit to come and take it and renew our mind and transform our lives. That we would all be men and women of integrity, that would live lives that glorify you, that our lights would shine before men, that people would see our good works. Glorify you, Father. Fill me today with your Holy Spirit and give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. Help me not to be a hindrance in any way. Lord, if I don't need to say it, keep me from saying it. If I need to say it, help me to say it. Let your will be done in all things. All things, Father. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let you may be seated. Now, the key verse of the last of chapter 5 is verse 20, where Jesus says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the righteousness that exceeds the, the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, it is both received and lived. It is received through faith in Jesus, and then it is lived out because of what Jesus has done for us. And one of the ways that this righteousness is lived out is in living a life of integrity. Now, Jesus primarily deals with integrity of speech in this passage. Saying what we mean, doing what we say. But when you look at the importance of what the mouth in, say, Proverbs or James, I would say that we could say that really integrity and in speech may be the most important aspect of integrity altogether. Because, you know, James says, for instance, that if you can, that it's a little thing like the tongue that controls the rudder of a big ship, and it's a little thing like the tongue that, that can set us on a course that leads to all sorts of problems. You know, if I can control my mouth, the Bible says, then I can really control everything else a part of my life. If I can speak with integrity, then I'm going to be able to live with integrity. Now, one of the things that Jesus does throughout Matthew chapter 5 is He corrects the false cultural understandings of what it means to have righteousness. Right? The, he starts this off by saying, you've heard it was said, and then He corrects it by saying, but I say unto you. As we've talked about in recent weeks, what He's, often, what he's kind of saying there is, according to popular opinion... And then what he's saying is contrary to popular opinion. So according to popular opinion, you only have to keep your word if you really swear on the Lord. right? You, you shall perform your oaths to the Lord. If you say, Lord help me, I'm going to do it. Then you have to do it. But otherwise, 
you're okay. And what Jesus says is contrary to popular opinion. You really ought not be given oaths at all. You ought to just be a person that says yes or no. And means yes or no. The righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. It is more than oath keeping. It is more than giving oaths and swearing that we're going to do what we say we're going to do. In a lot of ways verse 37 is the key verse for this particular Teaching, But let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than that is from the evil one. Now, something I thought of as I was studying this this week was that what Horton said in Dr. Seuss is very similar to what Jesus says here. So I thought I'd try to put it in a rhyme, see if I could be a poet. Say what you mean and do what you say. It's sinful to be any other way. Now, that's the idea that we ought to get from this. Say what you mean, do what you say. It's sinful to be any other way. So how do we live this out? Well, first we have to understand why integrity is so important. When we talk about integrity, it is important to understand that integrity is not a synonym for, per- for perfection. To my way of thinking, as I understand it, integrity is the opposite of Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is intentionally trying to pretend to be one thing while you are really something entirely different. Hypocrisy is not trying to live for Jesus and failing. That's just being human. Instead, hypocrisy is not really trying to live for Jesus, but you want people to think that you live for Jesus. So when you're in public, you make sure to act a certain way. You make sure to dress a certain way. You make sure to talk a certain way. Because you want people to think you're devoted to Jesus. But in your heart, none of those things are really you. In your heart, that's not how you are. That that is acting. That is putting on a show. That is hypocrisy. Now, integrity, it is being who you say you are. When you have integrity, you will be the same in private as you are in person, in, in public. When you have integrity, you'll be the same on the job as you are in the home. When you have integrity, you'll be the same when you're surrounded by a group of people who know you well as you are when you're on vacation in a place where no one has any idea who you are. So why is it so important that as disciples of Jesus, we live lives of integrity. Two really important reasons. One is that deception is demonic. Now, I know that sounds dramatic, but before you write me off, consider what Jesus says. Notice in verse 37, let your yes be yes, your no be no, for whatever is more than these is what? From the evil one. I mean, that's a that's a dramatic statement, isn't it? But not only that, look at what Jesus says in the Gospel of John. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a liar, he was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he, I can't read that up there. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Right, so, deception, lies, are the language of Satan. 
And that's what the way we've seen him from the beginning. What what did he do the very first encounter we have with him in Scripture? He goes to Eve. He tries to tempt her to eat the fruit that God has said not to eat. He deceives her in the process. Oh no, you'll not surely die. He is a liar and he is a deceiver. Right? And that is a part of his character. That is a part of who he is. Now, deceiving isn't just lying like we think of with our mouth. Hypocrisy is deception. Hypocrisy is doing all that we can to make sure we look like we're clean and pure, while inwardly we're filled with all sorts of unrighteousness. We are trying to convince people we're something we're not. That's deception. That is deception just as much as telling a lie, just an out and out verbal lie. Lies and deception is not the language of Jesus. Lies and deception are the language of the devil. When we deceive, when we are hypocritical, we are not being like Jesus. We are deceptive, we are deceiving, we are being like the enemy. But not only is deception demonic, but truth is fundamental to Jesus. Right? Truth is, is fundamental to everything there is about Jesus. Think about how Jesus told us, or how He described Himself. He said, I am what? I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is truth. When Jesus talked about God's Word, He said, Your Word is truth. And then when he talked about the Holy Spirit, he said the spirit of truth. Now you think about how important Jesus, this word and the Holy Spirit are to our lives. It becomes important or it becomes clearly clear to see why it is so important that we be truthful, that we live lives of integrity. When we are not truthful Our lives are not consistent with the Savior that died for us. When we are not truthful, our lives are not consistent with the Word that guides us. When we are not truthful, our lives are not consistent with the Spirit that lives within us. Integrity is hugely important for the believer in Jesus Christ. And it is the Natural way that we are meant to live our lives. And we have to understand that. Truth, integrity, that's Jesus. Lies, hypocrisy, that's Satan. And and those paths are laid out before us in our lives. Will we be truthful and have integrity and follow Jesus? Or will we lie and be deceptive so we follow Satan. Say what you mean. Do what you say. It is sinful to be any other way. So then secondly, you want to mean what you say. When I was a kid, there were times where I would tell my mom something, and for whatever reason, probably something to do with her, she wouldn't believe that I was telling the truth. And when that occurred, mom had a secret weapon. 
that was meant to extract the truth from me. Long before the CIA was waterboarding people, my mom had enhanced interrogation techniques. It was called hand on the Bible. Bring out the Bible, put your hand on the Bible, and swear to God you are telling me the truth. And if she was really not sure, I mean really wanted to get down to the nitty gritty, the enhanced interrogation went further, swear to God on your life that you are telling the truth. Now, I'm going to go out and I'm just going to say honestly, when my hand was on the Bible and my life was at stake, truth always came out whether I wanted to or not. Uh, it was like truth serum. I, I was telling everything. I was pretty sure God was not going to be overly thrilled with me lying with my hand on the Bible saying it in His name. But, for some reason, if my hand wasn't on the Bible and she wasn't making me swear on my life, a lot of times I would feel the liberty to lie if I thought it would get me out of trouble or make my life a little bit easier. I separated my speaking into acceptable times for lying and unacceptable times for lying. But it was acceptable to lie to get out of trouble. It was acceptable to lie to get to do things I wanted to do. It was acceptable to lie so long as God didn't bring the Bible or mom didn't bring God, the Bible and my life into the picture. Because in my mind, having my hand on the Bible and saying, I swear to God, I'm telling the truth. That was like God was standing right beside me. And I didn't know the Bible really well as a kid, but I knew there were stories of him smiting people. And I was fairly certain lying with your hand on the Bible was a sure way to be smote by God. And what I didn't realize was I didn't have to have my hand on the Bible for God to be a part of my conversation, for God to be there while I talk. He's always there. The Pharisees had done something similar to this in their lives. They had developed what one commentator called evasive swearing. They divided oaths into two categories. Those that you had to keep and those that you didn't necessarily have to keep. Those that they had to keep... Um, were ones where God was involved. Right? So if you swore to God that you would keep your oath, you were bound, duty bound to keep that oath no matter what. But on the other hand, if you managed to take an oath without really invoking God's name, let's say perhaps you said you, you would swear by heaven you would keep it. Well, technically God's name wasn't involved so you could break that oath if you wanted to. Or if you swore by the temple, well, technically, God was named wasn't invoked when you talked about the temple. So you got out of it that way. And the result of evasive swearing was that if they swore by God's name, they would do it no matter what it was. But if they did not have to use God's name, then it was just kind of a toss of the coin as to whether or not they would keep it. They did not feel obligated to keep their word. He felt perfectly okay with breaking any oath where God's name was not invoked as long as he wanted to. And as you can imagine, what this led to was all sorts of just almost chaos. People's word was largely meaningless unless they swore to God that they would do something. And the way they figured it was if they had sworn by God's name, they'd made him a partner in the oath. And so they had to keep it. But if they didn't use God's name... And they broke their word and they changed their mind. God didn't really care because his name hadn't been involved in the oath at all. Now, this is what Jesus is taking to task in verses 34 through 37. But I say to you, 
Don't swear at all. Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. Nor by the earth, for it is His footstool. Nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no. He's telling them is that you don't have to invoke God's name for your oath to be binding. That really the way it should be is that your word should be enough. That if you say yes, that what you mean is yes. Right? And he's kind of, I like the way he's explained it. If you, if they swore by heaven, well really that's God's throne, so God is a part of it. Right? If you swear by the earth, that's God's footstool, so yeah, God's a part of it. If you swear by Jerusalem, that's the, the city of the great king, so yeah. God's a part of it. If you swear by your own head, your own life, guess what? Your life is in God's hands. You can't do anything about it. So yeah, God is a part of it. The point that He wants them to see is you don't have to say God's name to invoke the fact that God is present in your speech and in the promises you give and in the oaths that you take. God is everywhere all the time, so He is always present in the speech. For me, the lesson would have been as a kid, I don't have to have my hand on the Bible swearing to God before God is right there a part of it. God is always right there a part of it. And it's easy for us to look at them and and to, to kind of look down on them because of their use of evasive swearing. I mean, we would say goodness. It seems like a lot of effort to keep from doing what you say you're going to do. But, but if we're honest, don't we kind of have our own methods of evasive swearing? I mean, we, we don't swear by the temple. I swear on the church I'll be there. What do we say? I'll think about it. We don't swear by heaven. We say, maybe... We don't swear by Jerusalem. We say, well, I might. We don't swear by things like this. We say, oh, we'll see. Let me, let me check. Or, or if we're really striving to sound pious in our evasive swearing, we'll drop the bomb that nobody can argue with, right? I'll pray about it. Now, of course, there are times when these are the genuine answers, and that's fine. The Bible tells us we shouldn't rush into giving answers and giving our word. But again, if we're being honest, how many times is I'll think about it? Is that really code for I'll think about ways to say no without it looking like I don't want to do it? How many times is maybe code for no, but I don't want to say no right now and have that argument? How many times is code, how many times is I might do that code for, but I might not and probably won't? How many times is we'll see code for, we'll see if I can find a way out of it? How many times is let me check to see if I can code for, let me see if I can find something else to do on that day. And how many times is I'll pray about it code for, 
I don't want to do it, but you won't argue with me praying about it, so we'll move on down the road like that. In the end, what these are often, not always, but often, they are safe, non-committal answers that enable us to think of good reasons why we can't do whatever's prompted that response. It is our own form of evasive swearing. The reality is evasive swearing is just as wrong now as it was then. Rather than give some sort of evasive swearing, Jesus would say to us, if you're not going to do it, just say no. If you are going to do it, just say yes. Don't be a weasel. Don't be a coward. Just own up to the fact that you're not going to do it and say no. Or just say yes if that's what you're going to do. Don't give evasive, slippery, deceptive answers to questions that have yes or no answers to them. Integrity is an essential element for the disciple of Jesus. And integrity requires us to mean what we say and say what we mean. Say what you mean and do what you say. It is sinful to be any other way. So understand why integrity is so important. Mean what you say and do what you say. Now all of this about don't take oaths at all, just say yes. It's kind of, because what's happened is, now what they're doing is they're giving all of this big long promises. Well, I promise on the hair of my head, by the pulpit in the church, by the car in my driveway, by the house in my, that I live in, by the dog in my yard, I'll be there to do what you say. And it's just meaningless babble. It is all that it is. And the reason they're having to do that is because they have lied so many other times. So many other times they have made this evasive swearing. They have done what they could to get out of keeping their word. And so now they're having to make these really elaborate, really long promises that they're going to do. They say they're going to do. And what Jesus says is, don't. I mean, think about people you know. Do you know someone that will tell you they'll do something and then back out of it regularly? And if they want you to depend on them, and you say, ah, uh, what do they do? I swear. I promise. You can trust me this time. Believe in me, bro. Right? They begin to give all of these big, elaborate promises about why they're going to do what they say they're going to do. And all this is doing, really, this testifies of their character. The more they have to swear, the more it's a realization that they cannot be trusted. They are not people who do what they say they're going to do. For the disciple of Jesus, this should never happen. For the disciple of Jesus, our honesty should be unquestionable. Our integrity should be impeccable. People should know that if we say we're going to do it, they should know we're going to do it. 
As disciples of Jesus, we should never need oaths or promises or swearing that we're being truthful and that we're going to keep our word and do what we say we're going to do. Our yes should be yes. Our no should be no. And there should never be a reason for us to have to strengthen any statement we make with an oath or a promise. And if our yes was always yes, and if our no was always no, we wouldn't have to go around making all sorts of promises, swearing that we're telling the truth or that we're going to keep our word. It would mean that when we said yes, we meant yes. And we meant no, we meant no. That's just the way we are. And if we're not careful, what we can do is we can become experts at explaining why our yes became no. Or why our no became a yes. And then we continue to wiggle and make excuses and then give promises that we break until our word is essentially meaningless. We cannot be relied upon. That is a problem for us if we are disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus wants us to be honest in our speech. Jesus wants us as disciples to keep our word. It is an essential part being his disciple. Look at what he says, what Paul says. To put on the old man. Right, so you've taken off the old, put on the new man, which is being created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So we're being transformed, we're being made more and more like Jesus. Therefore, because we're becoming like Jesus, notice this, put away lying. And let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, if we are members of one another. Since we have been born again and we're becoming like Jesus, we should live differently than we did before. And one of the ways this difference is seen is the fact that we, we are honest in our speech. Our yes is yes and our no is no. And, and part of the way this honesty is seen is that we do the things that we say we're going to do. Right? Now, now, how firm should our commitment be to keep our yes, yes, to do what we say we're going to do? Well, according to Psalm 15, 4, We are to keep our word even if it hurts. The idea is that if we say we're going to do something, we do it. We, We don't just do it when it's convenient. We don't just keep our word when it's easy. But it means that if I say I'm going to do something, then to the best of my abilities, I'm going to keep my word no matter what. Now, realistically... There will just always be times where we can't always keep our word. That's just life. But this isn't talking about the times that are beyond our control. This isn't, I say I'm going to be at your house to help you move a piano at 5. And at 4.45 I walk outside and my car explodes setting my house on fire. And I can't make it. That's not a violation of my word. My yes was yes. I tried. Circumstances beyond my control prevented me from being there. What Jesus is talking about, what the psalmist is talking about, is I say I'm going to be there at 5 to help you move your piano, but at 4.45 I get invited to an all-you-can-eat bacon buffet. 
Well, now I've got a choice to make. Is my yes, yes? Am I going to go and move a piano? Or am I going to find a way to wiggle out of it to go and do this that's a better option, more fun, something I would really rather do anyway than move a piano around the house? See, it's in those sort of decisions that integrity is tested. Integrity is seen. If I have integrity, I will tell the person inviting me to the bacon buffet, I love you, but I can't go today. I've got to go help move a piano. And if I lack integrity, I will call the person I'm helping move the piano and I will say, oh, you know, the other day at the gym, I bent wrong and boy, my lower back sure hurts. I just don't think I can move that piano today. I, I think I think I probably better put a heating pad on it and take some Tylenol and just kind of relax. I'm afraid I'd really hurt myself bad if I were to go up there and do that and then go eat bacon. That, that's a lack of integrity that leads us to act like that. Disciples of Jesus, we ought to be determined to live lives of integrity and keep our word even if it hurts. And there, there are all kind of ways that this scenario can be played out in our life. The big idea is that if we make a commitment to do something, we do it. Even if when doing it is harder than we thought it would be, or is more uncomfortable than we thought it would be, or will cost us personally more than we thought it would. Now that kind of commitment is, is really rare in our day. It's not something that you see a lot of. But that's part of the reason disciples of Jesus are meant to have it. We're meant to stand out and be different from the world in these sort of ways. Almost a, a radical sort of honesty. That we would do what we say we're going to do to the best of our abilities no matter what. I mean, think about it. Think about this. What, what impact do you think it has as parents? What impact do you think it has on our kids when they see us use our own form of evasive swearing? What does it say to them when they see us give noncommittal answers that, that they and we both know we're not going to do, really? And then later get on to them and say, now don't you lie to me. What does it... What impact does it have on our kids when we have them lie for us in certain ways? Phone rings. Hey, go answer the phone and if it's for me, tell them I'm not here. What impact does that have on them? What do they see out of that? What impact does it have on our kids if what they see from us is constantly saying yes but that yes always turning to a no. Constantly breaking our word. Integrity is not integrity unless it's lived out at home. David said in Psalm 101, I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. If we're going to be men and women of integrity, we have to do what we say. We should all value honesty and integrity. And, and I'm sure we would all say that we value honesty and integrity. I mean, politicians say they, they value honesty and integrity. But what do our lives show? Do our lives show that our yes is yes and our no is no? Or do our lives show evasive swearing? Do our lives show yeses that quickly and easily become no's? 
Integrity is an essential quality for a disciple of Jesus. And it requires us to do what we say. Say what you mean. Do as you say. It's sinful to be any other way. So let me ask, have you, have you developed your own form of evasive swearing? Do you only keep your word when it's convenient for you? You know, if you answered yes to those, then your integrity, it is lacking. And that lacking integrity is a sin. And sin must be repented of. Repentance is a change of mind about God and sin that results in a change of life. You know, perhaps you came in just like with the cultural mindset that that God doesn't mind evasive swearing so long as He wasn't brought into the picture. You have to change your mind and accept that evasive swearing is lying. Therefore, it's a sin. Perhaps you came thinking that God didn't care about whether or not you kept your word. Well, you have to change your mind and accept that God cares and God expects that you would keep your word even when it hurts. But not only must you change your mind, but you have to change your words. But that's the change of life. You have to stop evasive swearing. You have to stop letting your yes become no at the drop of a hat. You have to start saying yes when you mean yes and no when you mean no. And and doing what you said you would do to the best of your abilities. You have to say what you mean and do what you say because you know it is sinful to be any other way. Let's bow our heads for a minute. There is good news in all of this today. The good news is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Even the sins of evasive swearing and breaking our word. His death and resurrection have made forgiveness for all sins. Even those sins possible. All you have to do today is call upon Jesus to forgive you and He will. Right now, if you're here, There is evasive swearing. There is your yes becoming no. Use this time and repent. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Ask Him to help you to throw off all of that falsehood and put on the new man that is made like Jesus. And then go out and let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let's let's pray.